It was cold and foggy this evening of November the 29th, 1932, in the small town of Beaurang in Belgium, when fifteen-and-a-half-year-old Fernand Voisin and her eleven-year-old brother Albert left their house at six-thirty to go and meet their sister Gilbert, who was a day-boarder at the local convent school. More often than not, Hector Voisin collected his daughter, the only one of his three children he sent to the academy, a school run by the Sisters of Christian Doctrine. This exception to the children's schooling puzzled the inhabitants of Beaurang, for Monsieur Voisin was a leading member of the local Socialist Party, which was, by tradition and inclination, anti-clerical. The answer was as simple as it was mundane. The child was finicky where food was concerned, and he knew that the nuns would be more adept at coaxing her to eat. On the nights when he worked late, Fernand and Albert went in his place, like this evening. And now, not too far along the road, brother and sister stopped and rapped on the shutters of a small house, where they were quickly joined by their friends, André Desjean, fourteen years old, and her little nine-year-old sister, Gilbert. Then, with this small, round-faced and always smiling Albert leading the way, the three girls linked arms and followed him along the Rue des Gendarmeries. Most of the houses had no front gardens, which put the doorbells within easy reach of the mischievous boy, so that sometimes they walked, and sometimes they ran, as he dictated, until they rounded the corner into the main street, the Rue d'Eglise. When they had passed the church, they crossed over to the right-hand side of the road, and followed the iron railings which bordered the convent, until a few yards in front of the railway viaduct they came to a gate. In through this they went, puffing and jostling as they vied with one another to get through, and without closing the gate behind them, they raced up the central path, passing a hawthorn tree and flower beds, and then a variety of shrubs and bushes, which cradled a small replica of the lured grotto, until they came to the few steps which led to the porchway. Albert mounted them first, and by the time the girls joined him, he had already rung the doorbell. They're taking a long time to answer, aren't they? Albert pushed his hands into his coat pocket and stamped his feet to warm them. Then he turned away from the door impatiently. Maybe supper was late tonight. Sometimes it is. Don't be so impatient. Fernand turned round and looked at her brother, who was surprisingly now standing motionless. Hey, what's the matter with you all of a sudden? She prodded him in the back. Look. Look over there. He pointed towards the railway bridge. It's the Virgin and she's dressed all in white. Do look. She's walking along the viaduct. Oh, do shut up, said his sister. Don't be silly. Haven't you done enough mischief for one night? Fancy ringing those poor people's doorbells and running away like that. You are... But I'm telling the truth. It is the Virgin. Look for yourself. At the boy's insistence, Fernand, André, and little Gilbert turned round and peered through the mist. Then their lips fell apart and their eyes widened as they too saw, just as Albert had said, a lady dressed in white, a luminous figure walking in the air just a little above the bridge. The four children stood rooted to the spot, watching the moving figure, until Albert, suddenly afraid, reacted. He turned back to the main door, put his finger on the bell, and kept it there, while the girls, also frightened, pounded on the door with their fists. After what seemed an eternity, it was opened by a nun. Sister, sister, they all spoke together. Look, it's the Blessed Virgin. She's walking above the viaduct. She's dressed all in white. Come and see. 
all four pointed towards the railway bridge. Oh, don't be silly, children, said the nun. Do be quiet now. Big Gilbert is just coming. But we are afraid, sister. The nun came out of the porchway to the top step and peered into the night. Behave yourselves now. It's only the reflection of the street lamps. But it isn't. It isn't. The children cried out simultaneously. Well, then it's a branch waving in the wind, said the nun, as she switched on the light which illuminated the garden. See, you're imagining things. It's the white statue in the grotto that you saw. The nun was just about to return to the house when thirteen-year-old Gilbert Boisson, whom everyone called Big Gilbert, came through the door. What's the matter? She joined the others on the top step. And then she stopped abruptly. Oh! She pointed in the direction of the bridge. Oh, look! It, it's the Virgin! Look, you can see her legs moving through the folds of her dress. You stupid children, said the now exasperated nun. Go, go on with you. Go on home, and let's hear no more nonsense. But, sister, said Albert, we're frightened. I, I think we'd better hurry up home, said Fernand. That's right, you hurry home now, you silly children. The nun went inside the convent and closed the door firmly on the terrified children, who were now sobbing loudly. Once out in the street, Albert and Fernand led the way, followed by André and Big Gilbert, holding the hands of the little Desjambes, Gilbert. As they sped down the main street, and before they reached Rue de Gendarmerie, little Gilbert tripped, lost her shoe, and went sprawling to the ground. "'Oh, quick, do hurry up,' said Fernand, as she and Albert stopped. Once the child's shoe was back in place, and she on her feet again, all five fled round the corner into Rue de Gendarmerie but not before taking a final look back at the viaduct. The lady in white was still walking backwards and forwards above the top of the bridge. By the time they'd reached the Desjambes home, the children were fighting for their breath, their faces distorted by fear and tears. Oh, Mama! little Gilbert flung herself at her alarmed mother. We'd just seen a lady in white. I think it was the Blessed Virgin, said André. Then the three voissons said, one after the other, I think it was the statue, but the statue moved, so it couldn't have been the statue. And then all five spoke together. We're frightened. Now be quiet said Madame Germaine Desjambes. How can I hear you if you all shout and scream at the same time? Now listen to me, all of you, and stop your snivelling. It's only ten minutes since you left the house. But we did see the Blessed Virgin, said André and her little sister. We did, honest, Mama. All right, enough's enough. Now go on and wash your faces. And you, she turned to the Voissant trio, off you go home, and don't go telling your parents this foolish story. This last piece of her command was lost on Fernand, Big Gilbert, and Albert, who were already halfway out of the door. And as soon as they stumbled into their peaceful kitchen, they poured out the whole episode to their unsuspecting mother and father. Although for this, they were severely scolded and sent straight to bed. The next day, 
Almost all of the 2,000 inhabitants of this town in southern Belgium, 60 miles southeast of Brussels and near the French border, had heard of the goings-on. But these sensible, down-to-earth people who earned their living farming or working in the nearby quarries soon dismissed the rumour as a game of make-believe, and this meant that the children were allowed to go to the convent that evening. They followed the same route. Along the Rue de Gendarmerie, although tonight there was no laughter or ringing of doorbells, they turned the corner into the main road, crossed over to the right-hand side, followed the railings, and went in through the iron gate. Then up the central path, carefully averting their eyes from the small replica of the lured grotto. It was only when Gilbert de Jambes came out of the convent that they permitted themselves to look towards the railway bridge. She's there! She's there! Albert said. And then each of the girls, one after the other, exclaimed in wonder, Look! Just as she was last night, just above the railway bridge. Now she's passing the grotto. See! She's walking! Though the children were not as frightened as the previous evening, they nevertheless ran all the way, not stopping until they'd reached the Desjambes house, when, as before, they burst in on Madame Desjambes, who was sitting in the kitchen with her elder daughter, Jeanne. We saw her! We saw her! Oh, she was ever so beautiful! Much more beautiful than the grotto statue! And they all cried out breathlessly. Stop it now! Stop it! The woman rose to her feet. Be quiet, all of you. I've had enough of this. Wasn't playing the fool last night enough for you? But, Mamma, it's true, it really is, said André. She's lovely, Mamma, little Gilbert piped up. What, you too see the Virgin? Jeanne scoffed at her sisters. That'll be the day. When Albert and his two sisters started again, the woman became really angry. All right, if this is the way it's going to be, then this is the last time I'll allow you to go and meet big Gilbert. She glared at her two daughters. You're not to go any more. Is that clear? Oh, Mamma! wailed her offspring. Please let us go. In fact, they wept and wailed so loudly that the distraught mother eventually conceded. All right. Be quiet now. You can go tomorrow, then, but I shall come with you. I'll soon find out who's playing practical jokes. True to her word, the following evening, December the 1st, Germaine de Jambes, accompanied by Jeanne, her eldest, and some friends, armed herself with a large stick and followed the five children to the convent. But at the gate, and before even opening it, André turned and called out, Mama, she's there. She's already there. Oh, do be quiet, girl. You're so full of imagination that you're imagining things before you even got inside the garden. I'm not imagining it. She was there, but she's gone again now. And then, one after the other, the children said, She was standing on the centre path. Oh, she was so beautiful. And there were rays of light coming from her head. Yes, and she was looking up towards heaven. But she disappeared just as quickly as she came. Each child had something to say. Ah, said Germain de Jambes, that means the joker must be still in the garden. Go on, you four. Go up to the door and ask for Big Gilbert, and the rest of you, she turned to her friends, you come with me. We'll soon find out who it is. While her friends thrashed around the garden, Madame de Jean poked at the bushes, paying particular attention to those near the garden shrine. She was still busy doing this when the cries of the children brought her to an abrupt halt. "'What's the matter now?' she went towards the porchway. "'It's the Virgin. We've seen her again.' And they all talked at once. "'She was much nearer this time.' "'Yes,' said Big Gilbert. "'She was halfway between the grotto and the front door. "'She was close to the ground, and she had her hands joined.' and she had beautiful blue eyes, and she was looking up to heaven. 
She smiled at us, too. Albert's own blue eyes sparkled as he spoke. "'Oh, for goodness sake!' said Madame de Jambe, going over to where the children pointed. "'There's no one here. Oh, come on, I've had enough of this. Home now, all of you!' She motioned them on ahead, only to be brought to a standstill by her own two daughters calling out that the Virgin was again present. This was the third time in the space of minutes that the five children had stated that they had seen the Virgin. All this commotion in the grounds attracted the attention of two nuns, who were on their way back to the convent. And when this group of people came out of the gate into the main road, the nuns called out to them. "'What's going on there? What's the trouble?' When they all met, the senior of the nuns asked again the reason for the noise. "'We've seen the Virgin, sister,' the children said in unison. Uh, "'The Virgin? What, the Blessed Virgin?' "'Yes.' "'What do you mean?' When did you see her? Just now, in the garden. Are you sure? Yes, we are, said Albert. We really did see her, echoed André. When the children explained what had happened, the nun said, You must have seen a light. It was probably the headlight of a car. That's right, said her companion. You know how busy this road can get at times. No, it wasn't. It was the Blessed Virgin, all five insisted. She had her hands joined, and she looked so beautiful. Dear me! said the first nun. Why ever would the Blessed Virgin want to appear to you? Why, indeed, said the other. Or are you all wanting to be little Bernadettes? As the two went into the convent grounds laughing, little Gilbert began to cry. Oh, they don't believe us. No one believes us. The child was still sobbing when she reached home. And it was only when Gilbert Voisin took the little one on her lap and cuddled her that she became calm. When things had settled down, Germaine de Jambe decided to act. As her children were not the only ones involved, she went to the Voisins. She passed through their small wallpaper and paint shop into the kitchen at the back and was greeted by Madame Voisin. "'Why, hello, Germaine. It's good to see you. Where are the children? Aren't they with you?' "'No, they're back at the house.' I wanted to talk to you by yourself. Madame Voisin listened to the story and then asked, Well, what do you think we ought to do about it, then? I don't know, the widow de Jean shrugged her shoulders, but we could get the children and take them back to the convent garden. Perhaps if you're there, it'll put a stop to their nonsense. No sooner said than done, and going to the de Jean house and finding the little Gilbert still upset, they left her with the elder Gilbert and took Fernand, André, and Albert to the convent. Jeanne de Jambre and a friend of Albert's accompanied them. Immediately they reached the iron gate, and before opening it, the threesome simultaneously fell to their knees with a thud. "'There she is! Look! There she is!' they cried out, and then again together in strange, uniquely high-pitched voices said the Hail Mary. Their eyes were wide and unblinking, their faces beautifully calm. Germaine de Jambe followed their gaze to the hawthorn tree, and then she opened the gate and went into the garden towards the tree. Mamma, please, please don't go any further, André called. She's so beautiful, and your walk on her. The woman stood still and waited, and when Fernand, André, and Gilbert said they could no longer see their visitor, the two mothers, and Hector Voisin, who had arrived on the scene, searched the convent gardens, and then took the children home. By now, 
Mother Theophily had lost patience with the whole business, and the very next morning she sent for Big Gilbert and forbade her to talk about it. But later on, when, during the break, Mother Theophily saw a group of excited students talking together, she took the ringleader to task. Gilbert Voisin, didn't I tell you only this morning not to talk about this nonsense of seeing someone in... But the superior got no further. She was interrupted by Fernand and Dre. What are you two doing here? She looked first at the blonde-haired André. Why aren't you attending to your work? I don't know. Hasn't your poor mother got enough to do being a widow without you playing her up? And as for you... She turned her attention to the attractive fifteen-and-a-half-year-old Fernand with her lovely hazel eyes and long dark hair. Shouldn't you be looking after your parents' shop? But, Mother, replied Fernand, there weren't any customers. And anyway, we've come here to pray in the grounds. What on earth are you talking about? Pray? How can you pray here when all the children are playing? And what do you think the mothers of the small ones will say when they collect them from kindergarten if you two are praying, eh? But, Mother, we want to pray. We... That's enough, said Mother Theophily. If you want to pray, you go along to the church. That's the place to pray. And no one will bother you there. And anyway, she said to the old girl, what do you mean by letting these younger ones spread such foolish stories? You're old enough to know better. But, Mother, I'm telling the truth. I did see the Virgin, and even if you were to say you kill me for saying I'd seen the Virgin, I'd rather die than say I hadn't. I don't care whether you've seen her or whether you haven't. I won't have anything to do with this, and I don't want you upsetting my girls. Tonight I shall padlock the gates and put our two house-dogs in the garden. That shall put an end to your tomfoolery. When the superior had walked away, one of the nuns who had witnessed the scene ran after her. Mother Theophily, I was wondering, why should such nice children want to make up a story like this? I don't know, but I've got my suspicions. You know as well as I do that the Voissons have not been to church for years, and with Hector Voisson being a leading light in the Socialist Party, I bet they're getting up to their tricks again. What do you mean, Mother? What tricks? You know what the Socialists are like. They'll do anything to discredit the church. Oh, yes, I see. Maybe they think that now they've done so well in the elections. Quite so, sister. But I would have thought they had enough on their hands at the moment with bread queues everywhere and people starving than to poke fun at the church. Not that they need to any more. Every priest I meet tells me the same thing. Yes, broke in the sister. The mass attendance is going down everywhere, I hear. They say that fewer and fewer people are going to church. That's right, said Mother Theophily. And if this trend continues, my dear sister... There won't be any boarders to teach in a few years' time, and then we'll have to close the school. That evening, at about eight o'clock, all five children left the Dijon house to go to the convent garden. This time, both Voisson parents accompanied their children, while Germaine Dijon, feeling that she had had enough of it all, stayed at home. But the gates were locked when the party arrived, and the two house-dogs were loose, just as the mother superior had said they would be. "'We'll never see her again,' said young Albert to his father, who was shining a torchlight through the railings. "'But if it really is the Blessed Virgin that you see,' said someone in the large crowd of locals who had gathered at the railings, "'then locked gates and dogs won't stop her.' No sooner had these words been spoken, when the children, who were cut off from one another by the curious bystanders, dropped to their knees as one on the cobblestone pavement.' 
The noise of their knees crashing to the ground was startling, and Monsieur Voissin looked at each child in turn, but the expression on their faces so astounded him that he forgot their knees and quite involuntarily removed his hat. "'Can you see anything?' someone asked Albert. "'Yes, she's here. The Virgin is here.' "'Then ask her who she is.' "'Are you the Blessed Virgin?' said the boy. "'What do you want?' A minute or two later the girls could be heard saying, "'Yes, we will always be good.' When the five children stood up again, each one was crying. Fernand said, "'She spoke to us today. It's the first time she's ever spoken to us.' And seeing the disbelief on the faces of those nearest to her, she said, "'Well, surely you must have heard her, even if you didn't see her.' The people shook their heads. "'But you couldn't have wanted to hear, because she spoke very clearly.' It suddenly occurred to Hector Voissant that since it was the adults who saw and heard nothing, perhaps it was only children that this lady showed herself to, and if this were the case, possibly another child might also see her. After expressing this possibility, one of Hector's friends suggested they go and fetch his young son, Leopold. This they did, and when the party reassembled, Leopold was there, and so was Germain de Jambe. As before... And quite suddenly, little Gilbert, André, Fernand, big Gilbert, and Albert crashed to their knees and began saying the Hail Mary. At this, Leopold too knelt and joined in the prayer. Shortly afterwards, the five children stood up, followed by Leopold. "'Well, did you see anything?' the little boy's father asked him. Leopold shook his head. "'No, Papa. I didn't see anything at all.' "'But I did.' said Albert, and I asked her if she was the Blessed Virgin, and she nodded her head, and then I asked her what she wanted. And she said, André broke in, is it true that you will always be good? And I said that we will always be good. After I'd said that, she disappeared. Next morning, December the 3rd, Mother Theophile awaited the two Gilbert's arrival at school, and then she summoned Gilbert Voisson to the parlour. In the year during which Big Gilbert had attended the academy, the superior had grown to like this mischievous, alert, and intelligent thirteen-year-old, and now, facing the dark-haired girl who so resembled her sister Fernand, she looked into her tranquil hazel eyes and asked, "'Now, tell me about last night, Gilbert.' What happened? Well, Mother, we saw the Blessed Virgin. Where? Where did you see her? She was under the arched branch of the hawthorn tree. Now tell me, what did she look like? Um, she had on a white dress with sort of blue reflections on it, and she had a white veil over her head that came down to the middle of her legs. Anything else? Yes, she had rays of light all round her head, 
ever such a lot, they were very straight rays, and very thin. How do you mean, thin? Well, like thin straight lines, and they were all the same size. Yes, well, go on then. Well, we couldn't see her feet, because they were hidden by a small cloud, and she had her hands joined, and, and she smiled at us. And do you believe that this is the Blessed Virgin? Oh, yes, Mother, I do. Well, I don't. I certainly don't believe it. And anyway, why did you come back last night? I thought I'd forbidden you to. Our mothers wanted us to come. Yes, but you disobeyed me. And even if it were the Blessed Virgin, then she wouldn't have had you disobey me. So now, when you leave here tonight, you are not to come back. Is that understood? I forbid you to come back here tonight. I shall lock the gates and put the dogs in the garden again, and I shall also be notifying the gendarmerie. I do not want any more of these incidents in front of the convent. All right? Now go, and send in little Gilbert de Jambes. Then, as the girl made to leave the room, the superior called, And when you get home, you be sure to tell your mother everything I've said. When the little blue-eyed, blonde, nine-year-old girl came into the parlour, she was questioned in the same way, and similarly reprimanded. But as it happened, the fact that Mother Theophile had forbidden the children to return that night was unnecessary, because the Voisin children were not allowed to go to the convent anyway, as Hector Voisin had come home from a socialist meeting in a bad mood. "'Everyone thinks we're fools,' he looked at his three angrily. "'People are laughing at us, and I'll tell you something. "'If this goes on any longer, we'll all end up in prison, and that's for sure. "'Don't you realise they're all saying that we're deceiving people?' Fernand, Big Gilbert, and Albert stood before their father, and their eyes filled with tears. And then he turned his attention to his elders. "'Now listen, Fernand. For goodness sake, tell me the truth. "'We can't go on like this any more. "'Tell us it's a joke you're playing.' I won't be angry if you own up. And if you don't own up, I tell you, you'll simply ruin me and Mamma. No one will come to our shop any more. Fernand fished in her pocket and pulled out a handkerchief. When she had wiped her face and blown her nose, she said to her father, But, Papa, I can't go back on what I said. I did see the Blessed Virgin, all of us did, and even if you beat me, I still won't say I didn't see her when I did. By the next day, Sunday, December the 4th, Hector Voisin had calmed down, and being struck by the composure of his elder daughter, he gave them permission to go to the convent again. A large crowd was waiting in the street by the convent gate, a silent crowd, when, at about seven o'clock, the five children and their parents arrived. They also brought with them an eight-year-old boy, Joseph de Gouden, who was suffering from polio and a thirty-eight-year-old blind uncle of the Dijambes. Immediately little Gilbert, André, Fernand, Big Gilbert, and Albert arrived at the gate, they crashed to their knees and began praying in that now familiar high-pitched tone of voice which pierced the night and the eardrums. Then the assembled crowd heard Albert ask, Are you the Blessed Virgin? Will you grant us a special favour and cure our friend little Joseph and the Dijambes' uncle Eugène? Fernand made the same request as her brother, adding afterwards, "'What day must we come?' And then she asked, 
Would you like a chapel built? When the children stood up again, the people plied them with questions. What did she say? What did she do? What does she want? Well, said Albert, when I asked her if she were the Blessed Virgin, she nodded her head, and when Fernanda asked her about curing Joseph and Uncle Eugène, she didn't answer. Yes, and you asked her when you should come again, said someone who had been standing right beside the fire. That's right, answered Fernand, and the Virgin said, on the day of the Immaculate Conception. And after that, I asked her if she wanted a chapel built, and she said that she did. Later that same evening, a Monsieur Derep and his wife sought out Hector Voisin. They had a ten-year-old daughter, Paulette, who was suffering from a painful disease of the bones. She had seven open sores, and it was often necessary to remove splinters of diseased bone from her legs by means of a pair of pliers. Before the anxious parents had a chance to open their mouths, Monsieur Voisin surprised them all by himself suggesting that they take their daughter to the convent railings. "'The children are tired,' he added, "'but perhaps I can persuade Albert to come with us.' The boy needed little persuasion, and the small party set off. But the news very soon spread, and at the gate about thirty people surrounded Albert and Paulette. After saying some Hail Marys, Albert fell to his knees. "'Will you cure Paulette?' the people heard him ask. A few moments later he stood up and said, "'Yes, Paulette will be cured.' The Virgin smiled so sweetly when I asked her, so I know she'll be made well. On Monday evening, December the 5th, there was an even greater gathering at the convent railings, and although most could not see the children, everyone heard the massive thud as the five hit the ground with their knees. Albert again acted as spokesman, and because his mother had asked him to do so, he said, "'Since you are the Blessed Virgin,' Will you do us a favour and perform some miracles, in the daylight, if you please, so that people can see them, and they'll believe that you appear to us? He waited a moment or two, and then repeated his request. After this, he turned to his mother and said, Mama, she didn't answer. And then he, Fernand, Big Gilbert, André, and Little Gilbert all began crying. What are you crying for? asked Madame Voisin. Because she didn't answer, they replied. Once they were up on their feet again, Monsieur Voisin remarked that surely something extraordinary must be happening because of the way the five children were literally knocked to their knees the minute they arrived at the convent gate. And this prompted some of the bystanders, who were concerned about the crack made by these limbs as they hit the paving stones, to question them. "'Do your knees hurt?' someone asked Fernand. "'No, madame, not at all,' she replied. "'It just feels as if I were kneeling on cushions. And once, when I saw the Virgin... I tried to kneel down in the ordinary way, but I couldn't. The five were then taken back to the Dejamp house, only to return later in the evening, and directly they arrived at the gate, they simultaneously cried out, She's here! She's here! And then they crashed to their knees. After reciting one Hail Mary, they announced that their visitor had gone. No sooner were they on their feet than they fell violently to their knees once more. And as before, after reciting one Hail Mary, they stood up, indicating that their visitor had left them. The following evening, Tuesday, December the 6th, the Dejambre and Voisin children, on the recommendation of the local parish priest, Father Lambert, recited the rosary, rather than simply saying a Hail Mary. The priest, 
while remaining aloof from the goings-on outside the convent gate, nevertheless insisted on being kept informed. And so on this day, December the 6th, the rosary was said for the first time. And it was the first time also the children told the people that the Virgin had herself held a rosary in her hands. By now, the news of these apparitions had spread abroad, and thousands of people made their way to Borang, and all wanting to speak to the five youngsters. We are invaded from morn till night, complained Madame Boissin, and all I keep doing is repeat the same story over and over again. This whole business is turning into a nightmare. It was the newspaper reports that brought even more people to the gate of the convent on December the 7th. Everyone said the rosary, and the events which followed it were the same as on previous occasions. Afterwards, little Gilbert, André Fernand, big Gilbert and Albert were ushered into the convent, where four doctors examined them. The men could find nothing. The health of all five was robust, both physically and mentally, and furthermore, the straightforward answers they gave to questions more than impressed these medical men. On December the 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, it was estimated that 15,000 people were present. The road was packed. People lined the railway embankment, while hundreds of automobiles filled every space in town. Once again, the convent gates were locked, and the grounds patrolled by policemen. The five children looked towards the hawthorn tree, and when they fell to their knees and went into ecstasy, an expectant hush fell on the crowd. During the recitation of the rosary, the four doctors who had previously examined them now carried out a further examination. They pinched the children's arms, legs, and earlobes, slapped their faces, and then examined their eyes by means of powerful torches. The five were oblivious to it all. A quarter of an hour later, the children made the sign of the cross, stood up, and said simply, She's gone. Albert added, She didn't speak to us today, but she was so beautiful, more beautiful than ever before, and much brighter. 
What most impressed both doctors and onlookers was that the children's voices, which during the apparition were high-pitched, loud and piercing, while they spoke at an extraordinarily fast rate, had now returned to normal. The following day, December the 9th, people flocked to the convent grounds, praying and carrying lighted candles, which they somehow managed to attach to the frosted branches of the fir trees. By evening time, the railway embankment was packed solid with people, and so was the street, so that all traffic had to be diverted around the town. And furthermore, if the police hadn't also provided an escort, it is doubtful whether the children would have reached the railings at all. Nevertheless, to the disappointment of everyone, the lady did not come. Nor indeed did she until December the 13th, four days later, and then only the hard core of believers turned up with the children. She came again on the 14th, but her non-appearance on the 15th and 16th caused a medical student to question little Gilbert. Do you think she'll ever come again? Oh, yes, she'll come back. And why are you so sure? Well, because she comes to us because she wants something, but she hasn't told us what it is yet, so she'll have to come back, won't she? A priest, a father Baudouin, then spoke to Fernand. I think that you should ask her who she is. Oh, but we do. Well, in that case, you must ask her why she comes, and also what she wants. We did, said Fernand, but she didn't answer. Well, in that case, you better ask her on behalf of the clergy. On December the 17th, just after 6.30 in the evening, the onlookers not so much saw as heard the children thrown to their knees. Later that evening, during an interrogation, it was made known that in reply to their question, on behalf of the clergy, what must we do for you, the lady had replied, a chapel. The evening of December the 22nd saw a departure from the normal format, when Albert did not see the lady. And, to his extreme distress, the same thing happened the following evening. And there was also a further change to the accustomed pattern when only Fernand heard the lady speak. "'Why have you come here?' asked Fernand. "'That the people may come here in procession,' was the reply. Later, at the interrogation inside the convent, Albert was in tears because he was the only one who had not seen the lady, and Fernand was in tears because she thought that no one would believe that she alone had heard the lady speak. December the 25th and 26th came, but the lady did not, which made Mother Theophily wonder if the medal of St. Benedict, which she had secretly pinned to the hawthorn tree to ward off the devil, might have something to do with it. And then... On December the 27th, when nothing happened either, it was five unhappy children and over two thousand disappointed people who went away. At about 9.30 that same evening, little Gilbert, who had gone to bed, came downstairs crying. "'What's the matter?' asked her mother. "'I've got a bad headache, Mamma, and I can't go to sleep. Can I go back to the convent, please?' "'No, of course you can't,' replied Madame de Jambes. "'You've only just gone to bed.' "'Yes, I know I have, but I do want to go back. Please let me.' The little girls continued pleading one the day, and she went to her usual place near the Hawthorn, accompanied by her sister André and the three de Jambes. And when the nuns in the convent heard the children, and Mother Theophily went to the window and opened it, she knew by the strange tone of their voices that St. Benedict's medal 
had not deterred the lady. The following evening they saw the lady again, and afterwards in the convent, when little Gilbert was awaiting her turn to be questioned by the doctors, someone commented, "'You're looking very sad. Didn't you see her tonight?' "'Yes, I saw her,' the child answered. "'So didn't she speak to you, then?' "'Yes, she did.' "'Well, then, why are you looking so sad?' "'Because,' said little Gilbert, looking more sad than ever, "'the Virgin said that her last apparition would be soon.' One month had passed since the first apparition, and now with the news of their impending end, thousands of people again poured into the town on December the 29th, and although the doctors had the previous evening mutually agreed not to interrogate the children unless there was anything new, they did so at Fernand's request. Assembled in the parlour of the convent were thirty-seven doctors. Fernand stood before them. "'I saw something special this evening.' When the Virgin opened her arms before disappearing, I saw a heart. A heart? Yes, a golden heart, and it was near the centre of her chest, just at the place where she had her hands joined. Well, was it bright? You know, shining, I mean? Yes, it was, and it was surrounded by little rays, like those she has round her head, but finer. Uh, and about how big was the heart? Fernand indicated with her hands that it was about four inches across. When the girl had left the room, the other four children were questioned, as always, separately. None of them had seen the heart. The crowd, estimated at ten thousand, extended to the railway embankment the next day, and when the children went into ecstasy, the doctors paid particular attention to Fernand. They noted that while the others prayed, she stopped for a time. Later, when they were questioned, it transpired that Fernand, André, and Big Gilbert had seen a golden heart. Albert and Little Gilbert had not. The sceptics among the panel of doctors, and there were quite a few, were taken aback at the children's testimony. They had heard Fernand describe the heart the night before, and reasoned that in order to maintain their usual uniformity, the five would all have to say that they had seen it tonight. But two of them confessed that they hadn't. Their theory of complicity between the children was further confounded when during the investigation they became aware that only Fernand had heard the lady speak. I stopped praying, she said, when I saw the Virgin's lips move. And what did she say? She said, Pray, pray very much. And how often did she say that? Just once. During the vision of December the 31st, all five children saw the golden heart. 
Because New Year's Day in Belgium is devoted to visiting friends, renewing acquaintances, and being with the family, there were only a handful of people outside the convent the following evening. The doctors, however, were there as usual, and having seen both Fernand and Big Gilbert stop praying while in an entranced state, questioned them afterwards. Fernand was first. What did this lady say to you? I didn't hear her. But you stopped praying. Yes, I did, because her lips were moving as if she was going to speak, so I started praying again. Why was that? Because I don't like being the only one who hears her speak. The doctors then questioned Big Gilbert. Uh, tell us, Gilbert, did your visitor say something to you? Yes, she did. She said, pray always. Is that how she said it? Yes, she put the stress on always. Pray always. Beaurang was crowded again on January the 2nd, and as usual the houses of the Dejambre and Voissons were besieged, and the children themselves grew weary of it all. Don't be put off by their behaviour, Madame Voisin defended her brood. I must ask you to excuse them. They are very tired, especially Albert. There's never a moment goes by without him being questioned or kissed by different women. It's become so bad that he's threatened to smear mustard all over his face. Do you believe your children, madame? asked one priest visitor. Yes, I do. I know my children, and they don't tell lies. My husband and I are greatly impressed. Do you know, they don't possess an ounce of pride, because they're always saying, people don't have to believe us, it doesn't matter. We saw the Blessed Virgin, and that's the only important thing. After the vision that evening, word went round the twelve thousand gathered that tomorrow, January the third, the lady would have something to say to each child. These words precipitated the largest crowd ever, which was believed to be in the region of thirty-five thousand. The town was in utter chaos. All traffic was engulfed, unable to move either one way or another. Fences were broken down, and gardens trampled on as the concourse swelled. Yet, on the whole, everybody was remarkably silent and devout. A number of sick were present, including Eugène Aven, the eight-year-old Joseph Degoudin, and young Pauline de Rep, all of whom had hardly missed a night. The windows of the academy, which overlooked the garden, were filled with guests of the nuns, while a powerful spotlight illuminated the hawthorn tree, and the spot where the children now stood. And even though they were very frightened at the excitement and the vastness of the spectators, they nevertheless began praying the rosary. Hardly had they done so when little Gilbert, André, Albert, and big Gilbert were thrown to their knees. Fernand alone stood. Her face was a picture of misery as she searched the hawthorn. Germaine de Jambes, her eyes concentrated on her own two daughters, noticed that little Gilbert had stopped praying and seemed to be listening intently. Her face was wet with tears. When she resumed her prayers, her mother looked at André, who also became silent and listened. The same thing happened to Big Gilbert, and then Albert, and all four were crying, their faces almost matching that of poor Fernand, who had seen nothing. "'Maybe the lady will come back for you,' one of the doctors tried to console her. "'Perhaps if we say another rosary?' But the lady did not return. 
Still, Fernand would not budge from the hawthorn tree. No, I'm not going. I want to see the Virgin. Oh, come on, Fernand, said the doctor. Don't be such a baby. You can come back later tonight when there's no one here. It doesn't matter what you say. I'm not leaving. The Blessed Virgin said she had a message for each one of us, and I haven't had mine yet, so I'm not moving until I get it. The doctor shrugged his shoulders and made to walk off to join the other four. But he got no further. He was stopped in his tracks by a sudden brilliant flash of light which lit up the whole garden. Those nearest the hawthorn said it was a great ball of fire about five feet in diameter, which exploded, sending off sparks high up into the air. There was also a loud noise, like thunder. At that very instant, Fernand crashed to her knees and began saying the Hail Mary in the high-pitched voice characteristic of the apparitions. Then she stopped and was heard to say, Yes. After a while, and with those large brown eyes rapturously transfixed to the hawthorn tree, she said, yes, once more. And then she sank to the ground like a deflated balloon. After this, she cried convulsively. In contrast to Fernand, the crowds were beside themselves with joy, singing and praising God with tears of joy rolling down the cheeks of most. For the emotion of the crowd defied description, said the doctor who was standing beside Fernand. I shall never forget it. Or the pretty dark-haired girl with a white shawl over her head, with her wide eyes and fixed gaze and her hands joined together, the expression on her face was one of indescribable beauty. There was a great deal of excitement among the doctors afterwards, and all were anxious to know what had taken place. And as for the throng, they had no intention of dispersing until they, too, knew what had happened. The Virgin, the children said, was even more beautiful than ever, and she smiled much more than she usually did. Each child had been given a secret which was for them alone. Speaking to little Gilbert de Jean first, she leaned forward and said, This is between you and me, and I ask you to speak of it to no one. After that, the Virgin said, Goodbye. Gilbert Voisin, however, informed the doctor that the Virgin had said, I will convert sinners. Albert Voisin, like little Gilbert, was simply told a secret. To André de Jambre, she said, I am the mother of God, the queen of heaven. Pray always. 
Then she said goodbye while disappearing, showing her golden heart as she did so. And finally, she asked Fernand Voissant, to whom she had returned, Do you love my son? And when Fernand said that she did, the virgin pointed to herself and asked, Do you love me? Yes, I do, said the girl. Then sacrifice yourself for me. And with these, her final words, the Blessed Virgin opened her arms, showed her golden heart, and then disappeared. The very minute it was learned that the five children were concealing things, priests, nuns, doctors, in fact, everyone and anyone, gave them no peace, using subterfuge and guile in their attempt to extract the secrets, all of which caused Albert to say, If the Blessed Virgin hadn't helped us, then we would have revealed our secrets a hundred times. Blessed Virgin really appeared on what amounted to thirty-three separate occasions to the children of Beaurang? That was a controversy that raged throughout Belgium that year. But whatever the answer, life in Beaurang was never the same again. Little Gilbert, André, Fernand, Big Gilbert and Albert continued to go to the hawthorn tree each night at six-thirty and said the rosary, even though they knew that the lady would come no more and they also began attending Mass every day. To the droves of people who came to look at, speak, and question them, the children were courteous and helpful. But when their homes became overrun with uninvited visitors, it caused untold misery and aggravation to their families. The Dijons, for instance, lost money because they had no time to attend to their farm, animals, and vegetable gardens, while the Voissants had in the end to sell their paint shop because with so many curious hounding them, there was never time to attend to, or even the room, for ordinary customers. On top of this, both families had to put up with the incredulity of neighbours and friends, some of whom were not backward when it came to passing cutting and hurtful remarks. And the children, too, had more than their share of abuse, yet it was as nothing compared to the suffering which the absence of their lady had caused them. Still, there were many bright spots. Big Gilbert said that her prayers had been answered the day her parents came back to the church. And it was a burden of André and little Gilbert's shoulders when the obdurate Germain believed in them. Mother Theophile, too, came to believe. And so did Father Lambert, who never missed an opportunity of praying at the Hawthorn with the children. Of the invalids who regularly attended the visions, Paulette Derep, who suffered from a disease of the bone, was cured just as young Albert had said she would be. And although her cure was never declared miraculous, it drew even more attention to the happenings. By the end of 1933, over two million pilgrims had been to Beaurang, a name which quite appropriately means Beautiful Branch, some independently, but many more in large, organized pilgrimages. 
This growing devotion prompted the Bishop of Namur in 1935 to appoint a commission to investigate the happenings at Beaurang, and it took twelve years of painstaking examination, sifting through facts and interviewing countless witnesses before the commission felt able to make a pronouncement. On July the 2nd, 1949, His Lordship, André-Marie Charroux, issued two important documents. The first was an episcopal decree stating that two cures attributed to Our Lady of Beaurang were miraculous, and the second a letter to his priests stating that both of these miracles constituted the final necessary proof of the supernatural character of the events at Beaurang. Fast on the heels of this came the long-awaited official recognition of the apparitions. The bishop wrote, We give thanks to God and to the Most Holy Virgin Mary that we are in all serenity and prudence to affirm that the Queen of Heaven appeared to the children of Borang during the winter of 1932-33, especially to show us her maternal heart, the anxious appeal for prayer, and the promise of her powerful mediation for the conversion of sinners. The news was greeted rapturously by all those who had a devotion to Our Lady of Beaurang, but most particularly by little Gilbert and André de Jambes, and Fernand, big Gilbert, and Albert Voisin. Of course, they were no longer children by then. In fact, they were all married and had children of their own. Apart from André de Jambes, who took over the running of her mother's farm, all had left Beaurang. Fernand and Gilbert Voisin went to live in Namur, little Gilbert in Brussels, while Albert, with his wife, went to teach in what was then the Belgian Congo. Scattered though they were, they still had their unique experience and their common love of the Blessed Virgin to unite them. "'You are so fortunate,' said someone to little Gilbert, "'to have seen her beautiful face, her eyes and her smile, and to actually be able to picture her when you pray.' "'Ah, yes,' replied Gilbert, it is a great joy indeed, but it's also a great sorrow, because I really do miss seeing her so much. When I was a little girl, I used to cry all the time at the thoughts of not seeing her again. And, you know, it gets worse as the years go by. Not only that, there's always the great worry of not being able to live up to the Virgin's expectations, and being unworthy of meeting her again. But if Father Raymond Lafontaine, who succeeded Father Lambert as parish priest, is anything to go by, their lives were quite exemplary. Five years have passed since my arrival in Beaurang, he wrote, and in that time I have been able to study the children carefully. I must say that my first impressions, which were favourable, have been strengthened by time, and as I come to know them better, my esteem grows more and more. All five have remained simple, modest, perfectly honest, and their piety is sincere without being in the least affectatious. On the contrary, they show a certain aversion for being in the public eye. Furthermore, they have never doubted the apparitions, and they must have suffered greatly over the great length of time it took for the shrine to be recognized, and the even longer time it took for work to commence on the chapel. And now, as the work develops, the more they want to fade into the background. But the children had completed their task, 
and Belgium and the world had come to learn of the visit of the smiling virgin, whose golden heart was a reminder of her love, especially when things were bad. And in 1932, they couldn't have been worse. A worldwide depression following the Wall Street crash of 1929 had caused widespread unemployment and long breadlines. The discouragement and frustration of the starving soon turned to violence, and a clamour for a new brand of socialism, which promised the earth, but ended up by destroying democracy and producing a Hitler. If ever the world needed someone to lift it out of a trough of despondency with a message of hope, it was then. And that is what the Blessed Virgin did, coming at a time when she was needed most. We give thanks to God, said Bishop André-Marie Charroux, and to the Most Holy Virgin Mary, the Queen of Heaven, who came especially to show us her motherly heart assuring us of her love while anxiously appealing for prayers, asking us to pray, pray always, while telling us at the same time how powerful she is in the mediation for the conversion of sinners. <laughs> 